Welcome to the Deskbound Therapy Podcast, hosted by David London. David is a posture and mobility expert, yoga teacher, and certified online trainer. This podcast is about empowering deskbound professionals, how to live their healthiest life, and move pain-free. Now, let's dive into this episode. Remember why you started. That's a good one. And that brings us to episode 31 of the Deskbound Therapy Podcast. I'm here today with Amanda Physio, a.k.a. Amanda Benayam. She's a physiotherapist out of Toronto specializing in rehab, concussions, runners. And she works both at a running clinic and at a hospital. Super excited to have you here today. If anyone hasn't, she's got a really cool Instagram page. Lots of colors, lots of fun explanations. So really happy to have you here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little more. Thanks, David. I'm happy to be here. Um, Yeah, so like you said, um, I work at a clinic called The Running Physio in downtown Toronto in the West End, and we specialize in treating runners, as the name implies. Uh, We got people who, you know, have either never run before and are just motivated to try. We got people who are injured and are unable to run because of their injury. And then we get people who are quite elite and who have been running their whole lives competing in races and they just want to enhance their performance and prevent injury. Uh, and then when, of course we get our general population who are just pretty active and you can come in with a shoulder injury and we're still well equipped to treat that. Or like you said, a concussion and it's the same with that as well. So uh, yeah, we, we see a mixed bag, but predominantly runners and that's what we specialize. Uh, we offer things like gait analysis, which uh, is a cool aspect as well. Um, and then I also work in a hospital and acute care settings at Mount Sinai in the ICU, but that's just um, another aspect of physiotherapy that we are not going to dive into today. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where I'm working right now and what I do. Yeah, I really like how you mentioned that you're having people come in who are not injured who just want to enhance their performance. And I feel that's such a big thing too. And I like how there's also... A lot more niche clinics than there were in the past few years. Like it's more welcoming knowing that you're going to a clinic for runners than because they know how to take care of you and they can resonate you. Because I feel like like your story plays such a big role in in your rehab. Like knowing having someone to resonate with you on. Yeah, definitely. We find a lot of the time. Well, we can actually make an analogy. Let's say you go to your family doctor and you're having an issue with something. They'll often refer you to a specialist uh, to be treated by them. So when it comes to running, it's such a niche. There's so much to know about even just like the strategies or concepts of what runners do, whether it's what uh, minute per kilometer paces mean, whether it's the equipment they're using, whether it's the type of shoes they're wearing, whether it's the training principles that they're employing. So going to any physiotherapist, uh, they may not know all those things or specialize in that area. And for sure, they know what's going on with the body, but it's a little bit more difficult for them to give you advice on the running component and what to do with that piece. Because when you get a runner and you tell them you can't run with this injury, they're gonna their next question will be, okay, when can I run with this injury? Or when will I not be injured anymore? And when can I run? 
And that's the really complex question that we are, I think, the most prepared to help people get to. So I'm curious, what sparked your passion for physio and running? Did you have an injury when you were younger and running or was you always interested in, in helping people? Uh, well, I mean, definitely always interested in helping people. I think that that comes with uh, just working in healthcare generally. Um, but um, I, I actually wasn't a runner as a child uh, or as a, like in high school. I was more into sports. I played um, pretty much any sport, you name it, I played it. Uh, probably most competitively was a contact version of football, flag football for women. And, you know, there's an O-line, a D-line, everything. And my position was running back. And I played that through university, through my master's. And it was a lot of sprinting and stopping, which is very different from running 5K, which is, you know, there's no stopping and you're pretty much sprinting the whole way through depending on your goal. Uh, so I did not have the cardiovascular system prepared for running and what really got me into it I always did it kind of for leisure or for fitness but when I started working at the running physio um, you know I told them you know I'm, I like running I don't know I'm not like a hardcore runner compared to people they probably see there uh, but I'm very interested in learning and you know if I'm gonna dive in I'm gonna dive in and I did and you know kind of drank the Kool-Aid with that and it got super into running you got to kind of walk the walk or run the run if you're going to talk the talk with the runners. So, um, yeah, it just became part of my life. I've gotten much more into it. I run probably four times a week at this point, um, always with a different program. And now it's just part of my life. Uh, but it definitely didn't. I, I'm one of those people who didn't start off, you know, being a hardcore runner as a kid. And it's something I picked up. Yeah, and it teaches a good lesson that it's never too late because I was never really into running either. I only really enjoyed playing ultimate frisbee in high school and university. And it wasn't until my injury this past January playing frisbee where I, I, I tore part of my glute that I started to realize how much running meant to me coming back from not being able to walk like that much. Like I, I never enjoyed just leisurely running. It would just be playing ultimate. And, you know, the past few months, like, my biggest ambition has just been getting back to it. So I find, like, being injured itself really shows you how valuable these things are to you when you can't do them. Yeah, definitely. And running is such a big part of pretty much almost every sport, if you think about it. So when that component is eliminated, you, you can't do it. So that's what I think makes the running niche also so um, wide is it's not just for people who are training for marathons um, or races, but people who um, want to, you know, run to get the bus or run to catch a frisbee or run down the, the court and, and do a layup, whatever the case may be. Um, running can be a huge part of people's lives and activity in general. Yeah, so we do know that like a lot of the times, like you said, like people get injured when they're doing things they're not used to, such as, you know, running for the bus, like things they're not doing often. So what are some strategies people can do to prepare their body for success with running, especially for those beginners and people wanting to get started? Yeah, for sure. So especially with beginners and, and people who are starting to run and don't really know uh, the ropes with it or what can happen. 
Um, there are a few things that you definitely want to make sure that you're doing or that you've thought of uh, before just starting to, you know, run 10 kilometers or run five kilometers right off the bat. So the number one thing I think would be a proper warm up and cool down. And what that means is preparing your body for movement and then uh, recovering your body after the stress that you've put on it with the run or the movement. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that that can look, um, which we can talk more about as we continue. And then the next thing I would say that uh, is the good thing to prepare your body for success would be cross training or a complementary strengthening uh, training or programs, not just biking or doing other aerobic types of activities, but actually strengthening to target the muscles that are gonna be working the hardest during runs and are going to be most susceptible to becoming injured or causing injury if there is dysfunction. So cross training and strengthening is something that I find um, is the most difficult for runners uh, to implement in their schedule because, you know, once they've already done the run, they don't want to add something else to it uh, or they're just not familiar with strengthening and they think that, you know, doing an hour of biking is equivalent to that cross training when it's not necessarily always the case. The next thing I would say uh, is a great strategy to prepare your runner for success uh, would be to set a goal or to have a plan. And that can mean uh, setting a date or marking it in your calendar the days you're gonna run. It could be setting a time, it could be setting a distance, whatever it is that gets you to run what you're supposed to do to meet your goals is probably the best way to make sure that you can actually get there. Because what I'll find is that some runners say that they run always the same distance and it's always the same time and they really want to improve, but they don't know how. So setting a goal and having a plan is the best way to go about doing that. And then you can get the best out of your runs. And then uh, the other two things that I have on my list here would be proper footwear. I find that, you know, a lot of new runners are just excited to get out there. They'll grab whatever shoes they had from a couple years ago that they used to run in those times that they tried or their trainers that they were at the gym and they just go out there and run. And most of the time, you know, that'll be okay. But the more you start to run, you'll see that it it may result in some pain or injuries. So proper footwear for running is essential to set people up for success and maybe one of the top reasons why um, injuries may start in the first place with a new runner. And then the last thing I'd say would be to definitely check the weather report and dress appropriately, especially in Canada, because you never know what you're going to get. And you don't want to have torrential downpour in the middle of your run or snow or just be overheating like crazy. Yeah, that was definitely a lot of stuff for people to to use in terms of tips. And I really like how you mentioned um, strength and conditioning, because I find, too, it's always been hard for me to balance the cardio training with the strength training, I'd always kind of fall towards one end of the spectrum. And I'd always, you know, when I was playing Ultimate Frisbee in my high school years, I was always getting like knee issues. And it wasn't really until I started like really understanding the importance and the physical benefits for strength training that would help me, you know, keep playing the sport and keep running pain free. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you know, as someone who's played a sport before, you actually might have more knowledge than the average 
a person who just starts running who may have had no experience playing sports in the past or even doing sports that involve running. So just having uh, had injuries, you kind of learn about your body and you know, oh, I got injured doing this last time. Maybe there's a way that I can uh, prepare myself to start this new activity and avoid doing what I did last time. So when you mentioned that there's some, so what are some of the key muscle groups that you would want to strengthen? Because I know you mentioned there's some areas that take, uh, you know, extra stress. Are there any like common things you see, like most common injuries with running and like and muscle groups people should prepare? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's the top of the muscles to strengthen and then there's really common injuries. So um, maybe it would make sense to talk about those injuries first and Absolutely. then I'll tell you the muscle groups. So uh, working in a running clinic, I probably see like 85% runners. And let's start from the toes and we'll work our way up in terms of most common runners injuries that we see. So starting from the feet, we definitely have plantar fasciitis being a very common runner's injury, as well as stress fractures, shin splints, Achilles tendinopathy or tendinitis, IT band syndrome, Pes anserine, which is actually the inside of the knee, whereas um, IT band pain is typically on the outside of the knee. And then there's PFPS or patellofemoral femoral pain syndrome, also has a few other knee, names like runner's knee or patellar maltracking can be a component of that, but basically pathology surrounding the kneecap. Uh, and then there are quad or hamstring or hip flexor uh, strains. In your case, you had a, a glute strain or tear. And then uh, not as common, but it does happen. We do get people with a lot of low back pain as well from running, but also it's usually in conjunction with uh, their um, work life and what they have to do with that. So whether it's prolonged sitting or prolonged standing and then running. So that can have a con contribution to low back pain as well. And yeah, I'd say that's the probably the most common list of runner's injuries that we see. Yeah, shin splints is definitely one that screams out to me. I dealt with that my entire Frisbee career. Like, I would play games through it, and it would just come back and forth. I didn't really know exactly what to do. I would just, like, rest and roll my calves. And it wasn't until, at least for me, I started, you know, strengthening my calves instead of just stretching them. And also just working on, like, the movement of my foot helped a lot, too. But that's definitely, I found it to be, like, really debilitating because, like, every step you take, you'd just be like, oh, can I push it today? Yeah. Definitely. Um, they can be really pesky and they can, you know, seem like nothing because they're such little muscles, but they're so important for the movements of our foot and ankle and controlling that when we move and every step we take, that it can take such a big toll on our ability to, to do activity and function. Um, there are some cases where shin splints can last a really long time and it just depends on the measures that were taken when it started. Um, if the healing process was uh, effective the first time or if it was, it happened and then it, it was kind of, it undid or it didn't work and then the healing process had to occur again and then we get this scar tissue and then it becomes a little bit more tricky. But um, if you go to a physiotherapist sooner than later, you're more, more likely to be set up for success with that. So in terms of the other injuries you mentioned, have you noticed any patterns in terms of like 
what you're doing with them in terms of exercises that they all do say for example like 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 glute movements hamstring movements that kind of help overall with these knee issues and other running injuries um sorry are you are you asking if there's like one exercise for one thing or or what no, do you mean? So when it comes to those injuries you mentioned, are there any specific like muscular weaknesses you see across the board in terms of, say, people with knee injuries or ankle injuries, et cetera? Um, there are definitely what we call clinical patterns. So, um, you know, certain presentations uh, result in certain weaknesses and areas that usually can be improved upon to prevent or um help the injury heal or protect it. So let's say there's an ankle injury. There are muscles that are around the ankle that we typically would target depending on the issue. But sometimes with joints or when bones connect to each other, there are two different types of issues. One could be that there is too much movement and the other could be that there's not enough movement. So hypo or hypermobility. And in some cases, strengthening isn't always the answer if you have a joint that won't move uh, versus a joint that's moving too much we definitely want to stabilize that and work on some muscles so it, it's not necessarily one injury is going to have the same treatment across the board uh, but strengthening exercise do look similar at the beginning for certain muscle groups because uh, there are, you know, level one, two, three, four types of exercises to target a muscle. And once we're past that level one point, that's when things start getting a little bit more creative and you'd want to incorporate aspects of the sport into the strengthening. So it could be, you know, uh, an ankle exercise could turn into a very specific running uh, strengthening exercise for that ankle that is a lot harder than, you know, just pushing your foot against the band per se. If you work at a desk job and want to move pain-free, look and feel your best, let's get the conversation started to see if you could be a good fit for David's coaching program. Connect with us through all the social platforms and see the show notes below. Yeah, I find too, especially for me, like as I've been, it's been about five months now and I'd say I'm pretty much 90% now, but in the beginning it was a lot of very like isometric stuff. Like I just gave myself some like, glute bridges and some band walks and it wasn't until you know the last month or two where my rehab is is a lot more like specific in terms of running like I'm doing specific things that are helping me load my glutes so my feet are in the right position I'm doing a lot of like off balance stuff so it's really cool how it starts as you know rehab exercises to build that tolerance up which is a big thing and then it's starting to shift more into you know outer range work and then working into some positions you don't go into as often. Yeah, exactly. That's how I would describe it. Um, it gets way more challenging and the most important part of ensuring that you continue to get better and are preventing the injury from coming back and then enhancing performance at that point is to make the exercises harder. So progressions are super important to ensure that you're going to actually make, continue to make progress. Just like if you were lifting weights and you wanted to make the muscles bigger, you would need to uh, cause damage by increasing the load and lifting more heavy than you normally would, but changing the reps and sets in order to get your muscles to adapt to that and get stronger. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because especially 
through all my injuries and I'm sure you can relate with from your patients like I find a lot of the times like you want to come back too hard and just jump right into it but you really need to I'm learning to respect that you really need to build up that tolerance so as I've been running for the last two months it's just been like I'm focusing more on consistency in terms of getting you know 500 meters every day or a kilometer every day and then working at my max during my longer runs instead of just because my body wants to you know everyone just wants to go all out and a lot of it's like that mindset too just allowing your body time to to get stronger and build up that tissue tolerance absolutely and pacing is key like i said if there are goals you want to meet you know laying it all on the floor as soon as you start a run you'll uh, gas yourself out pretty fast um, if your body's not prepared uh, to take on the, the cardiovascular load in itself which is also a big barrier for people in increasing their mileage or increasing their time so it's just going in with a plan and a strategy and trying to stick to that to achieve your goals and if you exceed them and you go harder than you thought you were going to go in that run it's not necessarily a harmful thing it's it's a good thing to allow your body to adapt to that it just depends where you are in your injury and your rehab um that's going to determine if that's such a good idea or not yeah so when you're talking about tracking the the speed is that going to represent someone's intensity or how would you use that with your patients um yeah, so it's definitely a measure of intensity to, to track someone's pace or speed. Uh, so some people will have goals, let's say, to you know run five kilometers in under 25 minutes or to run uh, a half marathon in close to an hour 30 or something like that. So those are pretty, pretty high goals. And it depends on the level of the runner, if that's achievable in a certain amount of time or not. Uh, you want to give yourself ample amount of training time, depending on what the race is or the distance is to make sure that you can get to that amount of mileage and intensity without injuring yourself or pushing your body too far. So, um, yeah, I, I would use pace or minutes per kilometer to measure someone's intensity or speed in that case. Yeah, one thing I'm using is I try to always, at least in terms of my runs, I've been tracking it because I find a lot of times like if you're, you could run like 10K or 5K without even knowing it. So I found it's been very powerful for me to use a, a running app. That way I can actually see the route I went on. And just like with with physio, with your patients, you know, you'd want them to write down notes of how they felt during the exercises. So one thing I recommend anyone do is to just use one of those apps and just write your effort and like how it felt. Because for me, I try to stop, you know, right before my body tells me it's like hit that wall. Like I'm like, how do my knees feel? How does my, you know, quads feel? Am I kind of just making it out alive? So I kind of use that to my advantage and help me plan what my next run is going to be or if I need, you know, more strength training before I push that barrier past 3K and, you know, towards 5K. So I found that's helped me a lot improve my confidence because the first time I went out was, you know, a month or two ago and I was so scared I was going to, you know, tear my glute again. And I was literally just like half half walking. Like I was doing like a 10-kilometer jog and then a walk and slowly building that up and you know some days it would hurt afterwards so it's really good that I had that tool to just be aware because now I'm I'm kind of pushing my boundary of where I'm comfortable and I find like maybe my body could have handled more in the beginning but mentally like I wasn't there yet yeah I think that uh, tracking 
your runs um, are a great way to, you know, keep yourself motivated and to know if you're moving towards those goals or to uh, even, I think the motivation factor is probably the most important because if you just go out there and run and you have no idea what you did or how far you went, there's, there's bliss in that in a sense where maybe you just want to clear your head and your goal is to just use running as an outlet and to enjoy the outdoors or whatever the case. And that's totally fine and amazing for people who want to do that if that's their goal. And then there are people who want a goal like running five kilometers in general, and they'll never know if they're really hitting that or if they're anywhere close if they're not tracking it. So there's a lot of really cool apps out there like Strava or Nike Run Club. If you have a Garmin, uh, it has a Garmin app that will monitor where you're going, which is a running watch. Um, and then there's also uh, interval timer apps. So let's say you're on an interval program because you have an injury or you're trying to get faster uh, or just adapt to a new type of running, then there's uh, apps for that. So there's interval timer, which is an app that will track and tell you when you're running each interval. So those are just a few apps that people generally use and uh, they're very helpful in tracking all of these types of metrics that we've been discussing. And it gives you a better picture of how you're doing, what level you're at, and if you wanna get better or what you wanna improve on. You know, one thing I really like about Strava is it has the rate of perceived exertion, the RPE, in terms of like, how if you're able to talk during your run or if your breathing's heavy, because that makes it really easy for people to, you know, gauge their effort level while they're still out there and while they're in the process and really try to understand their bodies better because you know some people could think that if they're if they're you know going too hard then they're not sure like what that should feel like and they're not able to push themselves or on the other end if they don't know where the right medium is so i find it's it's there's a lot of good teaching tools we can use for you know both you the advanced and and some people who are, are just getting started because i saw on your page you were tracking your runs and your you have that little calendar you share on your stories mm -hmm. yeah i'm personally i've been on a couple running programs i'm on one now and it was like an eight-week program with four runs every week that are targeted towards my individual goals so it keeps me on track and makes sure that you know i'm getting to that point and i can see it in my times that i'm improving if i'm sticking to these programs and hitting the numbers and the paces that i'm supposed to but i think that that's a little bit higher um, in terms of the level that people may not be starting at in terms of beginner runners. But I think even like you're saying, rating of perceived exertion, a great way to measure how difficult things are for people. But at the same time, I think something that people also um, maybe don't know or is hard to get used to is that running is not comfortable. It is an uncomfortable thing to put your body through. There's always gonna be discomfort with um, trying to push yourself or go faster or go longer and that's part of the battle and that's part of why running is such a big mental component to it because it's just you there's nobody else pushing you sometimes it's it's all about what you your body's willing to do and your mind and if you want to stop you're going to stop but if you can push yourself to keep going you're going to hit your goal yeah, do you find that the things you're learning from pushing your body or helping with other areas of your life in terms of your mindset and your discipline? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, running in sports builds character in different ways, uh, even if it's an individual sport. Um, it helps me personally, uh, you know, deal with stressors in my life. Sometimes I need to think about something or clear my head and running's a great way to do that. Or sometimes I don't want to think at all and running's a great way to do that. Um, I think that um, it's a tool for people to use for mental health in a lot of different ways. And it's not always just about, um, you know, losing weight or um, hitting a certain kilometer or mileage in a certain pace i think running can be used for so many things and in so many ways to help people physically and mentally yeah i follow a lot of other people who are really into running on instagram and social media and they say that some say at least that running is the most functional of functional exercises and i know it's a big debate what functional is but i can kind of see that it's a very you know primal movement and a lot of us forget how to do that as we get older like people will as you know people start working they get less active but i find like the more that i think about it someone who is very passionate about training calisthenics and mastering my body weight that it's it's helped me feel a lot more functional in terms of like just being able to move better yeah i think i mean running is an innate capability that people have just like being able to walk it's something that's programmed into our nervous system um, everybody has a different way of kind of doing it. Not everyone's biomechanics are going to look exactly the same, uh, but that's what could predispose us to certain injuries or certain performance levels in a way as well. And the reason that we have those things are both adaptive because of, you know, the things that we've done throughout our lives, but also genetics. So there's a component of both that are going to contribute to everybody's biomechanics. Um, but yeah, like I think that running can play uh, different roles in strengthening. It is a whole body movement and is a dynamic in nature. So not it's not like lifting where you're in a static position and you're isolating muscle groups. You're using everything at once and muscles have to work together in synchrony, which makes it a little bit functional, I'd say, or prepares your body to feel a little bit better with your day-to-day -day movements or walking around or reaching for things because you're used to using those muscles in synchrony and allowing them to move from contraction to uh, to, sh to extension or lengthening positions and allowing them to move pretty much. Yeah, one thing I really like too, I know you mentioned this earlier, was when you're pushing yourself. And I find too, like, I've done all kinds of training. I've done like gymnastics, you know, weightlifting. And I find like the high from like p getting a pump in the gym was great. But it wasn't until recently how much I've actually started to understood that like after you've you're pushing past that run, it actually feels so incredible. And especially coming back from an injury and knowing what that feeling was and feeling that that intensity again is just a, a really strong, you know, reason to continue to inspire you to want to keep working on your body so you can, you know, maintain that state of health. I agree. I personally I there's no exercise I can do that makes me feel I'm working as hard as I am when I'm running. And that feeling is really addictive for me. I love feeling like I'm pushing my body as hard as I can. I like dripping in sweat. I like feeling that I worked hard. And I don't find that I can get that from many things other than running, unless I'm doing like a, a high intensity interval training kind of workout. Uh, but I really enjoy them. And, you know, sometimes I also love just 
focusing on strength and taking my time and working in the gym. But I, I think it's that runner's high that's kind of addictive at that point. You mentioned at the beginning the shoes you play can affect your gait and can affect, you know, predispose you to injury potentially. So what is some things you look at with your patients in terms of prescribing shoes when it comes to, you know, how much stress the foot is taking and whether more cushioning is better or whether, you know, barefoot is better or whether obviously it's going to depend on the individual. So where is what is your approach to when it comes to footwear? Yeah, so sh footwear is a huge question and a huge topic. And, and you just mentioned a couple really big topics in footwear and running. Um, but if you think about running, you're pretty much hopping on one foot like thousands and thousands of times on concrete for most people who are road running. So with that, you obviously want to make sure that whatever is on your foot or that's going to be contacting the ground is going to be the right type of shoe and compo composition for whatever type of running you're doing. There are different components of shoes or each shoe that we take into account when we prescribe shoes at the running physio or at my running clinic. And uh, those three things are definitely gonna be your cushion, your stability, and your drop or your stack height of the shoe. And I'm not gonna dive into too much of what that each one of those things means per se, but what they will do is they'll affect what, what your foot is doing. Um, so pronation and supination, they're going to affect how much um, material is between your foot and the ground. And they're also going to affect how high your heel is compared to how high your forefoot is away from the ground. And all those things um, are not going to be specific to uh, one group of people it's not about what level runner you are it's more about the individual person their history with running what their goals are and their predis and their injuries from uh, before and especially their biomechanics so the way that i would recommend footwear to someone is based on watching them run because watching somebody run and walking watching somebody walk are very different things and the way that uh, their body is moving and their foot is contacting the ground will change with running and what type of shoe they're wearing will also contribute to that strike pattern which can have implications depending on what they have come to you with so i always watch people run before i tell them what shoe i think is best but another factor that will play a big role in what we're going to choose is going to depend on what they're currently wearing and what their foot is used to, because you don't want to go too far in either direction, whether it's minimalist or heavy cushion, if the person is uh, closer to one way or the other or in the middle, because uh, a big change in itself that is drastic for the foot and the whole body to take on could predispose them to injury in itself or make things worse or cause pain. So we never want to take someone who uh, is wearing a shoe and put them in the extreme of any kind. We want to work our way up or down gradually, depending on what we think is best for that person. So it's always going to be, you know, we're only going to go down and stack height like two millimeters or up and stack height two millimeters as opposed to taking somebody who runs barefoot and putting them in a 10 millimeter drop high cushion stability shoe per se because that can cause a whole lot of other issues and change their biomechanics drastically to the point of injury if that makes sense so um then you mentioned you know 
should I run barefoot or should I run in cushion shoes? And that is a big topic in footwear and performance. There was tons of research um, a few years ago to indicate that, you know, working towards a more minimalist shoe was going to be better for performance. But now there's other research uh, that shows that perhaps having something with a lot more cushion is actually going to be more beneficial for performance than a minimalist approach. And that was seen in, for instance, the research that Nike did with the breaking of the two hour marathon with Kipchoge this year. And he wore a shoe that was high cushion, the alpha flies. Uh, and uh, the next percents were worn by the Pacers and they broke the two hour marathon. So now there's this debate, well, okay, he wore these shoes which are high cushion and uh, the minimalist shoes haven't won any two hour marathon. So where do we go with that? Um, there's a lot of sides to that coin. And, you know, there are, it, I think it really depends on the individual and there's no black and white, you know, do this or don't do this. But if you go in towards any extreme without preparing yourself to do so, I'd say that you're more likely to sustain an injury because of that. Yeah, and I think it also comes down to how you get there. Just like you said, like I remember I used to wear high cushion shoes and then I found the first time I just jumped right into, you know, pure barefoot shoes. My foot couldn't really withstand the load. So prior to that, I went from, you know, like your average like Adidas with a lot of foam then I went to, like, you know, like a cross trainer, which is a half minimalist. Then I went to the toe shoes and then I went to the Vivo barefoot. But I find there's like a little bit of a spectrum in terms of slowly kind of allowing myself to go a little bit more minimalist. But I found it wasn't always, you know, comfortable all the time. There's something I would just walking casually or wear in the gym. But I found when I tried to run with them, my pace was slower. But also I just wasn't like, I don't know, it just didn't feel as enjoyable. It kind of felt like a little bit painful, to be honest. Yeah, we don't, personally, I don't recommend those. Um, the, there's a lot of lawsuits around them. Um, it takes a long, long time to be even be able to adapt your body to running in shoes like those. And, you know, some people have success in them, but I'd say the percentage of people who have success in them are very, very low and require a lot of training and prep for your body. Um, and I think that the research and a lot of trends in shoes are definitely leaning towards the other direction towards cushioning. Um, and that's my opinion as a, a healthcare professional who works with runners, but I'm sure you'll find others who have other opinions and you kind of just got to listen to your body at that point too and think and feel what's, what feels good for you and what doesn't. Yeah, I feel like the big thing with all the, the discussion is that it's not really the footwear, it's just that people need to, you know, spend more time barefoot, moving the feet around, getting comfortable with those feet muscles, and just not relying on perhaps using that cushion when you're walking as much. So for me, like I have, I'll go more minimal when I'm just on casual walks, just so my feet can get a little bit stronger without the full stress of walking barefoot. And then there's other times where I'll use the cushion. So I feel like it's a, it's a balance between just running with a lot of cushion and not having any strength to hold that load versus, you know, balancing the two out? Yeah, I don't think that having cushion necessarily would cause musculature in the feet to atrophy by any means or allow them not to be used. Um, it just depends if, if you're having issues with the intrinsic muscles of the foot. But the intrinsic muscles of the foot aren't really the, a big muscle that is going to contribute to um 
running performance per se. So they're not really, um, I wouldn't think that that's a big part of me making the decision to prescribe somebody um, a minimalist versus a cushion shoe personally. And again, um, I, I'm not a, I'm not really a minimalist person. Um, I'm more about whatever's best for the individual and um, looking at the research that's more successful today. So I actually had a great question coming back to what we were talking about earlier. So you mentioned too, like starting out, there's a big cardiovascular load that your body's not able to manage. So what are some things beginners can do so they're not pushing past to the point where they feel like their lungs are going to, you know, collapse? Because we've all felt that the first time we go for sprints, like you, you can't even breathe or talk. So is it just, you know, starting with a run walk, for example? Is it just starting with a, a slower pace? What would you say is the best for someone who is very untrained? Uh, that's a great question. So I think that interval training is a great way of uh, starting to improve your cardiovascular endurance. And it doesn't always look like, you know, walking one minute, running one minute. It could be um, running harder one minute and then a light jog for the other minute for recovery. It could be a minute, a higher interval. So two minutes of running, one minute of walking times 10, which gives you already um, like a 30 minute workout in itself. Um, it can look at like a lot of different ways, but uh, we have interval programs that we give our new runners or injured runners uh, that help them build their confidence and endurance. And uh, the goal is that you go from intervals to running 30 minutes consecutively. And by the end of those eight weeks, they are usually at that point and they don't feel like they're dying the whole time, which is a good thing. It just is a way that they can learn to build their cardiovascular tolerance to take on more time working. Um, there are also strategies. So let's say you have somebody who can run 30 minutes continuously, but they can only do it if they're going at like a six minute per kilometer pace and they really want to be able to do that sub five. They're not going to be able to just run faster and get there uh, right away, but they'll need to train their cardiovascular system to be more efficient. And that would require some runs that are continuous and some runs that are interval, but with the purpose of cutting down those paces with each interval to get closer to that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You can definitely just start it with just pacing yourself slowly. Like, it's okay. Like, people, if you, you just need to be in that mindset. It's okay to start slow and it's okay. You're still getting a workout if you, you know, run and then walk and do intervals. It's just doing, again, what's personalized for you as someone who's starting out with running. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there has to be a management of expectations when you're starting off with anything. You're not going to dive in and be the best at that sport and it's humbling in that way because it's something that's new to you and something that you can work to improve on and it's going to make those leaps and bounds and those achievements of your goals to mean that much more to know that you worked hard for them so another great question i wanted to finish off with was what are some you know big myths around running like a lot of people i know believe that running causes bad knees and running causes injuries but what are some common myths you can debunk for the listeners today um, I don't have a list of myths on me, but um, <laughs> I think I think um, we definitely hit a lot of those throughout this whole conversation. So like running barefoot being the ideal, for instance, not necessarily the case. Um, running, giving you bad knees. I hear that all the time. Um, 
And, you know, I think that maybe that those are coming from patients who have arthritis and, and who are unable to run, or um, there's usually some sort of degenerative or arthritic changes or some surgeries that have happened in the past that make those cases a little bit more more complex. But I also have, uh, you know, runners who are 80 years old who are still running marathons and they have minimal pain and it's something they chose to do. Uh, so, and, and there are runners who have never had knee pain in their whole careers who run five times a week. So, it, you know, it, I don't really believe in that at all. And I don't know what bad knees means anyways, but uh, I, I think that it, again, it's, it's an individualized thing that people are, are projecting their experiences to be, um, to be generalized to, to all runners. And it's not necessarily the case. Um, there are a lot of myths out there uh, with running, um, whether it's footwear or whether it's about um, what to do to be the best at performance. And I think that um, there's no black and white answer to everything, depending on the myth, but uh, it really depends on the person and the runner and what your goals are. Yeah, and for those of you who do have more specific questions, feel free to reach out to Amanda on Instagram after this episode, and I'm sure she can answer any of the questions that you have about running or any other myths. But I do want to finish off today with my favorite segment, Rapid Fire Questions. So I'm just going to ask you five or six questions and answer just from the top of your head. So the first one for you is, what does fitness mean to you in a few words? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know about this segment. <laughs> okay, so what does fitness mean to me in a few words? Um, it means um, health. It means um, it means feeling good uh, mentally and physically. It means um, I think challenge, and I think it means happiness for me. I like it. I like it. So, who is your greatest inspiration, and why? Oh, that's a hard question. Yeah, everyone has trouble with this one. Yeah, I'm, this is never a question I have that answer for, you know, because uh, it's a tough one. Um, is there anyone specific when it comes to running? Like any athlete you've looked up to when you played sports as a kid? Oh, as a kid? Um, for sure, but it wasn't like a famous athlete. It was actually um, a... a like a fellow teammate who was like the fastest person I've ever met and wow. in person and um, who was the most talented when it came to, you know, the sports we were playing and they were just uh, such a team leader and uh, so humbling to uh, play with and to, I felt like I improved just being a part of the team with them. Um, so those are that like, so I've had definitely teammates throughout my career that uh, I look up to. I think in, in running right now, someone who I really look up to is one of my coworkers, Leslie, um, who has helped me learn and grow and has made my programs for me and has ran my races with me to pace me on things. And she's just so talented and so such a great um, inspiration and is always humbling. So she, I'd, I'd pick her right now, I'd say. Yeah, shout out to Leslie. So, yeah. um, what is something you'd recommend deskbound professionals do every day? Um, I would say that, um, I mean, let's talk about running here because that's been the, the topic. I think that if you're 
trying to become a runner or get back into running and you've been chained to your desk all day and you're so tired at the end, you know, the best thing that you can do is have that program or have that plan ready so you know, okay, I just got to hit this today. Um, today's the day. If I don't do it today, I'm not going to do it tomorrow. And even though it's going to be uh, lazy or slow or it's going to be hard, just try to get out there and check off that um, run for the day and then you'll know that you know, you'll feel so good after that you did it and I actually find that if you're able to fit your run in before your work day it will give you more energy throughout the day and it'll make waking up so much easier and the day go by a little bit faster in my opinion awesome yeah for sure I find too like unlike weightlifting which can really fatigue you I find running gives you a big burst of energy yeah Definitely. It gets your heart racing. Sometimes if I run too close to bedtime, it keeps me up. It's not a great idea. Um, and it also makes, you know, your dinner that much more satisfying because you're so hungry after a run um, that um, it makes it that much more enjoyable, I find. Um, so do you have any last advice about running we can uh, share with the audience today? Uh, yeah, I think it probably would relate to uh, the quote that I said at the beginning, which was remember why you started. So I know for me, at least, you know, the more I've gone into running, the more it's become a science and the more I've focused on every second of every run and every minute of every kilometer. And sometimes you just got to block all that out from your head turn off your watch, turn off your phone, and just go for a run and enjoy the outdoors, clear your head, get some exercise, and remember why you started in the first place. And don't let that enjoyment part of the run disappear because that's really the most important part at the end of it. Whether you hit the pace or you didn't, or whether you hit the kilometer or you didn't, um, just enjoy it and enjoy the ride and look up. Yeah, enjoy the ride. We can all take that with us as a good kind of takeaway here. Yeah, I agree. So Thank you're you so much, David. So you're on Instagram. Where else can people reach you if they have questions? Uh, yeah, Instagram would probably be the number one platform um, for me personally. Uh, I practice out of the running physio, so we have a website that people can book appointments with, and they also have an Instagram at uh, the underscore running underscore physio um so either of those platforms are a great way to connect with me uh but yeah definitely amanda physio uh would be the number one awesome it's great to have you we'll have to check out your clinic one day definitely we'll hit up a gait analysis session together perfect <laughs> sounds good Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Desk Bound Therapy Podcast. Take a second, leave me a five-star comment and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to know your thoughts about the show, what you like best, and who you'd like me to have on 